It's another one in Uranus. Hello and welcome to the Amateur Skeptics Podcast, podcast number 45. Joining me tonight is a uh, is a wonderful collection of uh, of skeptics. I have Ian. Greetings, everybody. He's a little slow on the draw, so you know we'll we'll, we'll be we'll be easy on him tonight. Hey, got back. Hey, everybody. We've got Eric. It's a collection. Am it's I common, a... uncommon, or rare? I'm sorry. And of course, Kimberly. Hi, all. And welcoming back our special guest, Misty. Hello. Hello. How is everybody back. doing? Oh, I'm already cutting people off. It's okay. <laughs> I mean, you threw me off. I've never been first before. So yeah. Well, I, I know. Like, I, I try to switch things up. I really do. I don't. I don't try to play favorites. Well, Ian, you know, if you aren't first, you're last. Well, Ian, it is your birthday week, so maybe that's why. Happy it's birthday, Ian! Yay! All right. How is everybody this evening? Good. Doing good. And if nobody recognized that line, I've seen the movie Talladega Nights, and it is a good dumb movie. Uh-huh. All right. So uh, let's start with announcements. Ian? Okay. Um. Well, did you put to... this up here? Oh, yes. Okay. Due to the greatest holiday of the season coming in two weeks, we will be skipping a podcast. Uh, basically, several of us who have um, kids and stuff figure we will be kind of busy that night. Martin Luther King so... days this month? <laughs> so, um... For the Halloween week, we will we will actually have a special podcast posted. Instead of our normal podcast, we will be posting a special interview with NASA scientist Dr. Tara Rutley, which we will be doing later this week. And that will get posted instead of our regular podcast next time. And for those of you who wish to, we still have our Halloween special from last year um, available on our site if you um, are new listeners and wish to see what we did last year for Halloween. Yeah, and on that episode, we covered a lot of the um, origins of Halloween and a lot of the standard myths that go yeah. along with it, you know. Did it involve uh, scaring and stealing candy? Uh, no, it, we didn't go that route. We we addressed more the uh, um, the fictions about there being poisons in candy that were given out at doors and stuff like that. Well, that's just worrying. <laughs> <laughs> no, but uh, for the for the scaring children and stealing their candy part, if you want to join me on the 31st. <laughs> oh. And Ian, where are oh. your kids trick-or-treating again? Far away from Far, you. Far away from you. <laughs> we won't be visiting your house, that's for sure. All right. So we've got that coming up. That should be good. So we'll be putting out – so we'll, we'll have something coming out that week. So that'll be good. Um, boy, we have – there is a bunch of stuff going on here. Um, yeah. But Kimberly and I attended um, a uh, Idiots for Humanity YouTube comedy night, which was uh, quite a bit of fun. And, uh, and Kimberly was the bouncer for that event. I, that, I, I, I was signing people in. I, I didn't bounce anybody. Yeah, I don't think she quite has the build to be very intimidating as a bouncer. What? <laughs> well, yeah, but now she probably does like Pilates or something. <laughs> I don't know. Voice, voices can be deceiving. She probably does Pilates or something. <laughs> Uh, I just I helped uh, our friend Eric Kim here out of the I door. Said I come in there. I I I I would have just walked away. I, I wouldn't have fought her. What was the event again? It was a um a YouTube night. So um Eric Mir, 
who we had on last week or two weeks ago and was talking about um, he, he runs the Atheist for Humanity, which is a way for um, for atheists and I guess anybody who who is has more of a secular outlook on things to donate to charities that he has researched and make sure that they're, you know, they're, they're secular and they're not religious charities. And he has some certain criteria before he puts them onto his site. So you can go there and choose to give money to different to, um, to different organizations through him. And by and so he did a fundraiser for his event, and it was ten dollars. So you go, you give some money to some charities, up to ten dollars or more, and uh, and you know, and then you come. And we went to the Walnut Room, and um, he had uh, set up a collection of uh, of comedians. He took little clips and stuff, and um, and he just he played those clips, and he uh, he had some drawings and stuff like that. So it was just a, it was a it was a fun time. I had a I had a good time. Yeah, we had what a good forty or fifty people there. Yeah, uh, it was. It was a lot of a lot of fun, um, you know, atheists and comedy, and um, I mean, it wasn't all ba- based around that. There were just some really funny bits, but yeah, it was a really good time. Well, the the whole prostate bit had nothing to do with you know atheism. For sure. Yeah, <laughs> but um, yeah, a lot a lot of fun. I think we did we did really well. I know um, atheists for humanity raised about seven hundred dollars, I think, for all the different charities that get supported. So yeah, a really great night for everybody. And I think uh, I think he'll probably do another one. So atheists for humanity, I think, is just a it's a great idea. Just really making it clear that we're out there doing good stuff and. I think it's terrific. Yeah, I'm going to have suggestions for him for for the next show, though, because there was no Bill Hicks. I you know, it's funny. I I suggested Bill Hicks, too. And and he was like, yeah, Bill Hicks is in it. And I was like, you should have that as like one of the announcement ones. And then no, no Bill Hicks. Ah, you got to have Bill. Right. You do. So we'll have to learn him up a little bit. I had to kind of uh, fight him to get Tim Minchin in there. Really? Uh, yeah, yeah. He he's just not, I guess, a Minchin fan. We still love Eric, but you know, he's well, there, he needs some schooling. Yeah, there there may have to be a, a more of a uh, consensus here. You know, Maybe. broaden things out a little bit. Eric's pretty open to uh, to input, so I'll I think he we'll is. Just yeah, that's probably not a problem. Yeah, and speaking of, um, I did the Tim Minchin concert. Was it just last weekend? Yeah, weekend before. So. Um, that was just a absolutely terrific show. Um, really amazing. If you haven't seen him on YouTube, definitely check him out. If you like, if you like this show, if you're one of our four listeners, um, <laughs> I think you'll probably get a kick out of his stuff. And um, I think the most surprising part of the evening was his uh, during his encore. He played Hall- uh, Hallelujah. And got a sing-along of basically a whole bunch of godless he- heathens singing hallelujah with them. It was terrific and fun for me because it's always been one of my favorite songs, but like my dirty little atheist secret favorite. Uh-huh. And uh, to find out like everybody there kind of apparently equally liked it was really a lot of fun. Well, it's not really a religious song. No, it, it's, it's got some stuff based on the Bible, but I mean, it's, a, it's an awesome song. Yeah. So that was a lot of fun. So, um, yeah, so that was that was on Sunday the 16th was the AFH. Tim mentioned was the weekend before that, but we've got lots coming up. Um, so I'm going to just go through them pretty quickly because there are a bunch of them. What I'm just trying to do here is kind of consolidate a lot of cool, sciencey, oh. atheistic, skeptical, rational thinking kind of events that are local in town. And I wanted to also put out there that after tonight, we're going to have a new uh, email address, events at amateurskeptics.com. If you know of something you want announced or you want to plug and it kind of fits into this, email us and we'll include it in the podcast. 
Um, I just became a member of the Denver Museum of Nature and Science today. I'm pretty excited about that. And they've got a lot of great stuff going on. It's a really awesome resource uh, in town. So uh, I wanted to mention a couple of those real quick. On Thursday, October 20th, they have a thing called Science Lounge. It's the third Thursday of every month. And this one is called Nightmare at the Museum, talking about um, you know, some Halloween stuff and um, science, science behind it. Um, on the 20, Friday the 21st, there's a live bat show, but unfortunately I found out that it's sold out. Well, that's okay um, because there's Laser Quest. Yep, I was going to turn that over. Here's the thing is that you say Atheist Laser Quest on here, but I'm pretty sure this is Skeptic's Laser Quest. Oh, yes, and I was going to mention something about that. Thank you. Because the person who put this up happens to have been Misty. And so who finally put a time and date on this thing? Did you? I did. Oh, good. Yeah, finally, after I saw some more people were interested, and I was like, oh, well, my soul's good the whole time then. <laughs> yes. No, I'm excited because I'm going to bring the kids. Yeah, I'll probably be mine too. Oh, good. So I think that that'll be a lot of fun. So that event is not um, in and of itself have anything to do about um, skepticism or whatever somebody spelled there. That sounds much fun, but I am going to be at uh, Mile High Con that weekend. Yeah, well, come bring your kids. It, uh, that that should be. I, I think that'll be a lot of fun. So. And that's right yeah, over it, on uh, Hamden. Yeah, it's uh, Hamden and Yosemite area. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I've been there. It is a lot of fun. I guess it could be atheistic in a way of if somebody screams, oh, God, we can say your God can't help you now or something like that. <laughs> I, I think you should get an atheist versus Christians laser quest thing going on. That would be <laughs> awesome. <laughs> holy war, holy war. <laughs> okay, I got to ask right. you, though, I was looking at the meetup thing on the laser quest and these 30 minute Iron Man sessions. How much armor yeah. do you actually end up having to carry around? And you it's self power. Really- you don't carry any armor around, but the vest that has the sensors for the lasers on it, that thing is really heavy. So after 30 minute, minutes, it's, yeah, you're pretty much Iron Man. You feel gotcha. like it after. Okay. It. <laughs> nice. All right. All right. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to make that one, too. I think it sounds like a lot of fun. Good. Saturday the 22nd, we've got um, one thing on Sub-Zero Atheism. Eric mentioned this at the AFH event. It's apparently about one of those South Pole expeditions and somebody who went and found out there was a lot more kind of religious stuff going on. It sounds to me a little bit like what some people find in the military these days. So I think that sounds like a really great discussion and uh, and, and just also hearing about the, the South Pole expeditions out there. So that's available. Um, not really an atheist or even a skeptic event, but the zombie crawl is on Saturday the 22nd. I hear there's going to be like 20,000 well, people. This there. is important because my kids are way excited about the zombie crawl. And so I have a zombie hunter going to the zombie crawl, and I have a um, a Southern Bell zombie going to the zombie crawl. Awesome. I just realized our meeting is the same night. It is. Um, yeah. So, so I mean, so, but it happens during the day and then we have our meeting that evening. Right. I have always depended upon the brains of strangers. Uh, yeah. So we have the IIG meeting coming up as well. And that's right. going to be, that should be good because um, we, we've got a couple of things hopefully that are going to be going on with the IIG. We have a, uh, a survey project that we're working on. <laughs> Um, which I, which should be good. So we kind of are, and and actually, um, Morgan Levy chimed in on that, and he really kind of actually gave me some, uh, gave us some interesting things about how we wanted to find whether it's a, a survey or a questionnaire, which I, which was interesting. So that's that's moving forward. We're getting a little bit of feedback on that, um, and then I have some other, um, some 
some activism things that I'd like to um, to start up and build a group to to work on as well. So we have a couple of different projects that we're looking at uh, for the IAG. So that's actually moving forward, and I'm starting to feel good about about the progress. And we got all the busy work out of the way. We're established, you know, so it's official. We we got our we got our check from CSI for for our initial startup funds. So we are moving forward. I'm very excited about the IAG. Awesome. Yeah. So that's five o'clock on Saturday. So check that one out. Um, let's see. The other ones we've got Monday, October 24th, Cafe Side 2 is on Evolution. We talked about that one before. I think that's going to be a really great one. I'm looking forward to that. Um, Wednesday, the 26th, the Denver Museum of Nature and Science has 60 Minutes in Space. This one's a free event, and um, it's first come, first serve, so I think you need to kind of get there early. Uh, I haven't tried one of these yet, but it's another one of those monthly events they do, so I'm going to really try to get there for that. You I know, found this I, one. I, I, I want to say real quick about the Museum of Nature Science. A lot of these events are really cool. I went to the um, the event where they were recovering. Was it the recovery or was it the launch of one of these space probes? And it was really a lot of fun because you know you were you're you're there and with with some scientists um, and and they're kind of telling you what's going on and they were and we were listening to mission control. Uh, um, and so, so the, these events, some of them are, are a lot of fun, and they, they have a lot of really interesting and, and, and people there that are very knowledgeable. So yeah. they are definitely worth going to. Yeah, definitely. Um, I found this one. Uh, uh, Wikipedia loves libraries is a, a program they're doing right now to, I guess, reach out. Uh, Wikipedia to local libraries, and they're doing one up at the CU campus. I guess the library is called Norlin. Um, so I thought that was kind of interesting. I don't know if I'll make that one or not. Um, other things going on at the museum in November that I wanted to let people know about, the evolution of Darwin's finches is on November 2nd, and um, that's going to be the 152nd anniversary of the origin uh, on the origin of the species, and um, I think that should be pretty fascinating. Again, evolution just always comes up. I think the more you can know about it, the better, so I thought that was kind of neat sounding. There's one on the 9th called Explore the World from Space, talking about how they're using satellites imaging to explore the planet and i didn't get to read much about it but i just love the title on the 16th of november how to clone a mammoth i'm in i'll do that all right and those are the events i've got coming up in denver like i said if you've got more please share them with me um, i'm looking to kind of consolidate and give people a calendar of fun and interesting and and critical thinking is that a word kind of things to do around denver and so. we'll play promos too if people send yeah. promos to that we'll play promos too Awesome. We'll tack them out. Well, you know, we'll tack them in somewhere. So. All right. That's your news for now. All right. Ooh. That section is getting longer. It is. We're becoming. Yeah, we're out of music soon. All right. So now let's let's move right on to, to the fun stuff here. Um. And so this first article is uh criminal minds. So we're they're doing some brain scans on criminals and looking for some um features in the brain. So Matt, go ahead and uh, uh give us a uh concise uh. Summary? Yeah, summary, please. Okay. Well, essentially, um, this this scientist started off in – when he got out of school, he couldn't find a job in his field anywhere and ended up working for the prison system. And so he, what he would end up doing, though, is he'd end up being locked in small enclosed spaces with violent criminals and aggravating them with different types of, different types of irritating lights or sounds – and watching their physical reactions to it. And amazingly, he's actually still alive. But um, 
what he discovered through his studies is that these violent offenders have reduced activity in both the amygdala and the prefrontal cortex. And he is positing that we might be able to do brain scans and find out if people have a tendency toward violent behavior or criminal activity in the future when they're, you know, essentially doing brain scans when they're young and trying to head that off and finding ways to get them, uh, you know, essentially get them into a better way. One of the things he talks about in the article is the plasticity of the brain and how the brain will change and make new pathways to resolve injuries or pain. Um, one thing about this, though, is that it's not real clear whether the brain activity that he's seeing is the result of it's a chicken egg argument, essentially, is what it well, says in the article. I don't know about that because he, he makes that at first. He makes the argument that they don't know if it's it's if it's the brain creating the the um, the reduced activity yeah, the, or or vice versa. But then he goes on to talk about when they were looking at um, uh, fetuses. But of course, they couldn't do brain scans, but they seem to find so find that there was even indications as early as, as the fetus that um, some of these developments might be going on. So he kind of so he makes the first, you know, kind of baseline and then he says, but we want we try to go one step further to show that it was the brain that was creating, you know, the, the criminal activity or whatever, the the association. So one of the things he said though about the uh, the the amygdala is responsible largely for our response to fear or to, you know, to situations that ca should cause alarm. Right. It's and kind of the, the emotional center of the brain in general. And the prefrontal cortex seems to have a lot to do with empathy with others. And so reduced activity in both these locations would tend to indicate that the person's not only not reacting emotionally as they should be, but also that they're not able to understand the emotions of others. Okay. So and, and so that when I read this article, I was like, there's a lot going on here. So that's why I, I called Misty and said, Misty, you got to come help us with this. Yep. And I, I'd love to hear what you've got to say on it, Misty. Well, my first knee-jerk reaction was, uh-oh, you know, they're trying to find some simple way to identify problem people in the population. Well, Misty, which, how else can know, we how else can we identify pre-crime and, and Yeah. Well, I I kind of have You've seen Minority Psychics. Report. Exactly. Yes, yeah. <laughs> I, I had the same knee-jerk reaction to it when I read it. I was like, "Whoa, this is I don't like where this is going." Yeah, cuz a lot of things that have come out of attempts to identify people by you know racial or biological um, differences has been very horrible like uh, IQ test that came out of um, an effort to identify certain pops of European populations that weren't fit to be in America supposedly and it was usually like southern European people people uh, people and then uh, you know African Americans things like that well, he um, talks about but... craniometrics in there too yeah, but that that's a little bit different, though, because, you know, exterior biology is a little bit different when it comes um, than when it comes to looking at what the brain is actually doing during behavior. It's a little bit different, but still, it is the same thing of you don't know if the brain is just responding in a certain way when this behavior is occurring or if the brain is actually causing that behavior to occur. You know what I'm saying? So it is still kind of the chicken and the egg. Right. Um, but in all honesty, a lot of this research um, that was addressed in this article has um, been around for a while, especially about the size of the amygdala and sociopaths. They've seen it time and time again, but also they've also seen people who have smaller amygdalas that aren't sociopaths. So it, it you know, gives a rise to the question of what happened to these people that are sociopaths 
Um, or is the whole hypothesis something that needs to be thrown out? Is it that everybody has that potential who has small amygdalas? Or is it that they're, they're looking at something incorrectly? Um, so he and he does mention um, the researcher himself, Adrian Rain. He says that by no means is he saying that you should start rating children saying, oh, yeah, you're a 93 on the psycho scale or something. Yeah, but um, but I'm afraid a lot of people would try to run with this. The other thing it did concern me though is because he was kind of making um I don't know there's like well you know if parents I don't know they kind of made this I don't know, I, I felt I, I don't know it kind of irritated me that it's like well if what if a parent didn't want to know this that maybe they would be kind of um I don't know neglectful or something I mean it seemed like he was saying that that you should you should be looking to see if these possibilities are here since we have the opportunity to do so and if you don't well maybe that's not right and I was like it, that that struck me very I don't know I well there's there's always the chance of like a self-fulfilling prophecy too if you think your kid's going to yeah. be a psychopath and you start treating them in such a way it may make them a psychopath right um, so obviously you should be raising them to be a more successful psychopath you watch too much Dexter, probably. <laughs> <laughs> That's not possible. <laughs> and I do watch the show. <laughs> so. Yeah, I mean, it's it's interesting for them to be doing this um, research. And, of course, there is some kind of link between behavior and the brain. Duh. But it's still that matter of what causes what, what gives rise to which, you know, in what direction that correlation goes. But this is one thing that I, I say all the time. Correlation does not mean causation. Just because they see the amygdala small in these people that are sociopaths and that there's reduced activity in the prefrontal cortex, people who cannot experience empathy, doesn't necessarily mean that one is causing the other. There could be a third variable that nobody has even noticed yet. The other issue I have with this is that we're when we're talking about a child's brain, we're talking about a brain that's still developing. And and those um, those connections to the prefrontal cortex are still becoming established. One of the things I really liked in here, though, is him talking in the end about um, doing research on seeing if nutrition can, you know, proper nutrition in childhood can help to cure these things that he's seeing in the brain. Yeah, that's interesting, too. That's part uh, of that whole nature-nurture debate, too. Yeah. Uh, you know, And unfortunately, you know, nutrition is part of the nurture part of it. If you're not getting the right things to feed your brain, that can cause certain dysfunctions. Right, but one of the issues I had is that, okay, so that they've chosen a couple of vitamins, right? But I, 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 I don't know. I guess maybe it's just not in here, but how, why did they choose those vitamins? What, what made them choose those as supplements? Did they mention they the vitamins in the article? Yeah, they, uh, they talk about the omega-3 fatty acids and calcium and to I see think... if they protect brain cells, which kind of makes it think that they're that kind of kind of indicates that they're talking about uh, antioxidants. Well, there's a lot of research that has looked at people who have Alzheimer's and early cognitive decline, such as all things like that. But um, and it it shows that they are missing certain things in their diet that others do not have the problems have adequate amounts of. So there is research that shows that certain antioxidants have various protective um, qualities to them because of the deficiency that they've seen in people that don't have these things. So now, are we talking about just making sure that people are getting an adequate amount? I mean, because what I'm afraid of 
is that, you know, it's like instead of making sure that we're getting a certain amount that they're going to say, well, let's just get as much as you can and, you know, and then cause a problem, be, you know, because you're getting too much of something. Well, there are some things that, you know, you don't have to worry about if there's an overabundance because the body will take care of it. Um, but unfortunately, um, a lot of doctors might be in a situation where they're prescribing these things and they don't necessarily understand the mental aspect of it, the, the byproduct, I guess you could call. Um, so there are some items that if you have too much of it, it can also cause its own set of mental deficiency or problems, right. things like that. And there, it's failing me, but I know there, there's a certain type of amino acid that they are implicating in the study of schizophrenia, that a lot of these people who are schizophrenic have too much of this certain type of amino acid. So if somebody's popping those pills, we probably know it could be causing schizophrenia. Well, I don't know. And that's an interesting point. And I think antioxidants particularly, that we're learning a lot about them and that we're, that we're seeing that, um, that it's a matter of... Uh, um, of ratios, you know, I mean, we, we, we want some oxidants and we want some antioxidants, you know, and that there's a balance there. And that when sometimes I think when I, particularly with, you know, certain vitamins, and I think vitamin E is one of these that if you overdose on it, you get too much of it, that it can cause problems. Um, so I, I, I don't know. I, I always worry because I still, I still wonder if we really know enough about some of these things that we're prescribing. No. Well, I think with anything, we don't really know enough yet. Sure, sure. So that's you, when I worry about like it's like people taking these, you know, mega doses of vitamin C and stuff like that. What are the potential repercussions of that? Sure, we need it, and we need it in moderation. So if you have a deficiency, then we should be giving it to you. I want to throw something. Ethics committees for this because unfortunately you can't. Uh, there's a limit to what you can test and what you can't test. Ah. <laughs> I want to throw something. I want to throw something else in here real quick about. You mentioned uh, Alzheimer's, and my wife was talking about some research that indicates that people who are showing the onset of Alzheimer's are not digesting sugars the way, particularly the sugars are not getting to the brain the way they're supposed to, which could also relate Alzheimer's to possibly being related to diabetes. Yeah, there's one theory about that. Well, the brain, you know, works on glucose. And there's also been some theory that if people are diabetics and they, you know, purposely leave um, certain types of glucose and whatnot out of their diet, it could be harming their brain. Yeah. Um, Eric, did we cut you off? I was just saying that, you know, these things need study and that's exactly what he's doing. He's studying what the effects of these are on the kids. No, and, I, and I'm all in favor of that. Um, but I always get concerned when people read these articles that they that they go out and they, they self-medicate. I guess is I guess that's my main fear. He's doing it in a controlled situation, but somebody reading these articles isn't going to be doing such. Well, you're going to have self-medication regardless of what direction it's going. I mean, you know, people who are sociopathic, if they have a tendency to see that they have issues – you know, they might start trying other things to say, hey, you know, they're, they're saying, I'm not normal. What can I do to fix this? And they start picking up tidbits of information that are out there and they'll try to self-medicate anyways. I mean, that's a problem yeah. with any type of mental problem. Yeah, so. I know. I, I don't. I just, yeah, it's just something I've become overly aware of. I thought the article was one well-written, yeah. um, surprisingly well-written, and um, and really did warn against all that kind of stuff. And what I really heard in you know the the, the diet is just to make sure that that it's adequate nutrition. You know, and it comes back to that whole idea that you know well what they're basically saying is make sure the kid is if if you identify this and there's like the you, you think that there might be a possibility of, of this happening to make sure they have adequate nutrition. Well, that kind of just goes into a whole host of rearing positive things. 
if you're concerned enough to adjust their nutrition, there's probably other good things going on at the same time, which right. would contribute again to a, hopefully a, a healthier person. Yeah, and, they, and they also made the, the um, distinction that, that this is talking about populations. This is not talking about little Johnny. Yeah, and that's it is one not of, about individuals. Yeah, I, I really appreciate that about the article too. That that the in the end, you know, the kind of the conclusion was, you know, that um, that they weren't talking about individuals, and I think that that was important. Yeah. Mister, you know, I'm sorry. Go ahead. I was going to say, Mister, you know, you said that the the brain has a lot to do with behavior, but you know, then look what's telling you that. I'm saying there could be conflict of interest. <sighs> Oh, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, it's it's hard for us. That's one of the most amazing things about ourselves is that we're able to look at ourselves with our brain and analyze the brain. Yeah, it's like a fish looking at its water or something. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting. <laughs> All right. All right. Anything else there? I think that's it. Anyway, I, I want to say that that's one of the better science articles that we've covered, though. I mean, it was it was balanced. It was a, it's fair, a fantastic article. Out. I mean, the, this. I mean, it was good. It, um, so I, I really, I really thought it was oh, good. So that's no fun if it's balanced and fair. Come on. Well, I know, and you normally we shy away from that stuff. And don't worry, we have some stuff coming up that's not balanced and fair. So it's coming. Can we skip you to know, the biased stuff right away? Yeah, Ian posted those. <laughs> well, <laughs> I posted thing, some of them. One thing that's responding to the Bigfoot stuff, Eric. Yeah. Yeah. One thing that's worth noting, though, is that this is one more nail in the coffin, so to speak, of uh, somebody being evil, quote unquote evil, for whatever reason. Um, it kind of takes into question the whole uh, debate of morality and whatnot. If somebody can be bad simply because, for whatever reason, their brain didn't form in a certain way, then, well, you can't really say that they're evil, quote unquote. Yeah, they they'll come up with something of the demons. Did it. The demons made their amygdala malformed. Right. And gave them a lesion on the prefrontal cortex, too. Well, and then you start coupling that with that with what we're starting to, to realize about how the brain makes decisions, that the brain has made the decision long before we become conscious of it. it, it I think even more it speaks to that, that, you know, that whether somebody is evil or not. I think, I think, that, I think that a lot of these things are starting to, to head towards that direction. Well, there's still some question, though, about how we choose to act on because That's true. Uh, it can be different options that the brain makes available. But it's not the brain. It's the soul. The brain is just an antenna that receives information, right? Sure. <laughs> Carl Jung or something like that, I guess. Yeah. I was listening to Deepak Chopra today, so. <laughs> but isn't I'm the sorry. Soul also something deep inside <laughs> you, so why would the soul need an antenna if it's inside you? I don't know. Because you can't, it, the soul needs an antenna because you can't hook it up with cable because that well, limits your mo- your mobility quite this, a bit. This is how we know. I mean, consciousness is outside the brain. Our brain is just an antenna to receive the consciousness. Sure. <laughs> okay. Go stop it. All right. Yeah. All right. So tell us about this kid's book on evolution. Okay. Um, the article is kid's book on evolution makes waves. Um, it's in. Quilling Choir, Canadian's Magazine of Book News and Reviews. Um, it, it's a fairly simple article, actually. Um, apparently, yeah. Um, this book on evolution, basically the idea is let's do a book to teach kids the very basics of evolution, was put out, and it was well-received in Canada, really well-received. I guess it won some awards and such. Um, you know, it did really well in Canada, but apparently um, this is what actually disturbs me, although we, we've seen statistics on how our population is believing in what, but it was not received well here in the USA. And um, 
it was not received at all in the USA. No. Well, did anybody research this to see what other possible explanations could be? Because I find it hard to believe that no one wanted to publish. Nobody in the United States. I mean, we have a lot of scientific literature. He couldn't get a publisher in the United States, and and the, and um, you can listen to interviews with him on um, the Skeptically Speaking podcast, and he is the writer of the uh, children's section in uh, in Skeptics Magazine. Oh, where did we leave off there? We were talking about Daniel Lott. Uh, we were talking about the man. He was on. He's been on a couple of podcasts. Yeah, he's been on a couple of podcasts. Um, and he writes the children's section in Skeptics Magazine. So, so he's on uh, the Skepticality podcast. Has done an interview with them. I'm pretty sure that Skeptically Speaking has done one. And so he's talked about this issue in several different places where he could not get a publisher in the United States to publish his book. And and the in the reason he gives is that they said that it was too contentious. So we are taking his word for it. We haven't heard from the publishers in regards. Right. But I was. There's a majority of our population, I think, in the United States still does not believe in evolution. I don't know if it's a majority, I, I, but it's a it's a it's a vocal no, majority. Are there not other books for children about evolution? You know, there's probably books on dinosaurs, but nothing that you know has big bold letters to the front cover like this one does. But I, I think the last time I remember, it was like 63% of um, Americans do not believe in evolution. Uh, well, I'm just doing a quick search, and okay. as of February 2009, I see when we're only 39% believe in evolution, and 36% have known anyway. Okay. 25% so definitely do not. Yeah, we have a large percentage of our population that um, doesn't believe in it, fights against it. So it, does, it, it somewhat doesn't surprise me there'd be a lot of publishers that wouldn't want to do a book like this. Well, and it wasn't that it was an evolution book. It's an evolution book aimed at kids, and I think that's what makes it yeah. you know, yeah. a big issue. But, and we do have a society that really has a problem with it. Wasn't it just last year they had, I think it was called, um, oh, I can't remember the name of the title now, but there was a movie about Darwin. Oh, and it was yeah. creator of the movie. It was more about his children and, and losing his daughter and stuff like that. And they couldn't get a publisher here in the U.S. It had to be from overseas. It was like released as an independent. Wasn't it creation the, the movie? Are. Oh, go ahead, Misty. I don't know who the publishers are, but I'm looking on Amazon. There's a lot of children's books with the word evolution in the title. Is there? Yeah. Mm. But I don't know. They could be published overseas and, you know, Amazon will make it available regardless. Well, so They'll sell it if people will buy it, have... and it doesn't involve pedophilia. Yeah, I was able to go right to Amazon and publish it, so it was sold in the U.S. And I, unless you know, I don't know how you know publishing is so weird that I can't. I don't always understand how this works. But it was it was a Canadian publisher, so but we were able to buy it in the U.S. But what's interesting is sometimes when it's in English, when it's published in England, that you can't buy it right through Amazon. You have to go to their well, usually can okay. can't you? But yeah, it has to be shipped over from overseas. I don't know. I bought the book. I've got it. There are some books that I've found that you have to order from like the Amazon UK site. Right. But it's not on our American site. Um, ben Goldacre's uh, Bad Science was like that for a while. So, so I, I don't know. I, all I know is what Daniel Larson has said, and he has said publicly that he couldn't get a publisher in the U.S. That they told him it was uh, too contentious an issue, and they wouldn't publish it. And but here's the other thing: is that he's not. I mean, he he's publishing a magazine and everything, but um, would it have been the same if it was P.C. Myers? 
or would he have been able to get a publisher? I don't know, you know, how much, uh, you know, I think that it has a lot to do with who's writing the book too. And as to whether or not the publisher feels like they can make money at it. And maybe they just didn't feel like they could make enough money at it. And that's the reason that they gave him. And I think that you're 100% on the nail on that because the nature of publishing is if they think they can sell a book, they don't care how controversial it is. In exactly. fact, the more controversial it is, the better it might sell. So I think that goes to an extent, though. Um, controversy and scandal and stuff like that are great. Uh, attacking uh, – if, if people are going to start boycotting, though, because you are insulting their religion, different story. And we're not talking about like the, you know, kind of big press, like a Harry Potter kind of thing, but more of the subtle, we're not buying any textbooks from you if you're going to be this blatant about supporting evolution. I think that's a different question there. I, I do hear what you're saying. Scandal sheets sell like mad, but I'm, I'm looking at a book that, called... that affects a base, that's tougher. I'm looking at a book here called Life on Earth, The Story of Evolution, and it was published by a publishing company from Boston. What was the year on it? Uh, 2002. Well, see, so I don't know. That that is the story he's giving. Um, I don't know. Maybe his book isn't that great. He just doesn't want to admit it's it. I don't know. Book. It's a good <laughs> book. I thought it was a good book. That was good. It won him a twenty thousand dollar award. Yeah. Yeah. It won an award, Misty. How could they be wrong? I'm just saying. I'm just saying. I'm just offering a possibility. They are. They are Canadians, right? What do they know? We got that. Flip they like people like Kirk Cameron and Michael J. Fox. Come on. <laughs> they know they have oil sands under their, uh, their provinces. Oh, good segue. I was going to say the Canadians walk among us undetected, though. <laughs> anyway, uh, this thing on oil sands, I happened to yeah. see a commercial on oil sands, and I'm like, what the hell is oil sand? So I had to go look it up, and I thought I'd throw it in the document. Um, basically, what they are is they have natural occurring, naturally occurring mixtures of sand, clay, water, and a dense, viscous form of petroleum similar to tar. You know, essentially, there's large quantities in Canada and Venezuela, and they're looking at this now as a way to extend our supply of petroleum and allow us to keep driving our cars. You know, this what, is an expensive way to expand this. Yes, it is. And what they really yeah. need to be focusing on is things that are not internal combustion engines that run on gasoline. No, what they need to be focusing on is better seismic utilities for finding the oil that we've already got because we've already got good oil. It's just a matter of finding the proper fracturing so that we don't have to drill as deep to get it. My company can help. They, just, they need to figure out ways to beam us from one spot to another. The <laughs> no, but I mean it, this, this kind of stuff is interesting, but you know, remember you know, Colorado has got a whole bunch of oil shell. Um, yeah. And that's the fracking, right? No, that's not. Um, that's that's oh. natural gas that we're fracking for. Oh, frack. Well, ah. apparently, apparently, also, fracking Brian, um, apparently there's energon deposits all over Earth. If we could learn how to use that. Hmm. Mostly in Oregon. Mostly in Oregon. No, I mean, this stuff is interesting. There's, I mean, because we have a, a lot of different um, deposits of petroleum in, you know, so this is one, shale, and of course, crude oil. But we like crude oil because it's the easiest to get to. Yeah. I, I think that, I think that after that, um, uh, shale is, is better if we can, if we can heat it up and extract it. Um, it's better, but I wonder if we have some of the same issues with that that we might have with fracking. Um, and I like the uh, I like the petroleum algae that we talked about a couple episodes well, ago. Well, that yeah, I mean some some of those make more sense because that's would, renewable. Yeah, and ever present. <laughs> I think I made the comment at the time that you can't kill algae. <laughs> oh, oh, we lost somebody. Hello. I don't remember. Do we have a? 
I'm still here. Yeah, I don't think we lost anybody. We were just oh. trying to figure out if Eric had something he was trying to say on that. Ah. Uh, oh, okay. Well, yeah. No, I I found it interesting, and I started looking up, and I started reading about shale oil and some stuff like that, and it led me to uh to some uh to an area where we'll be processing some data here. <laughs> so I'm a terrible one to speak on this, right? I'm comfortable. You should be an expert on this one. Well, not on this particular one because this is outside of um of what we do because. I don't think that we could actually find this with our processes. Um, maybe we could. I don't know. We can All right. Well, we've talked about untapped oil deposits. Let's talk about Siberia's untapped Bigfoot deposits. Yes. I think that is a, an excellent idea. Okay, so I, I found this first article. and I, I, I have a, a Google alert set up for Bigfoot stuff, so I, I end up reading a lot of this. And But this one was – so a team of scientists says they are 95% sure that – that Russia's uh, wintry expanse in the home of the uh, is the home of the mystical Yeti, yet unknown, uh, yet so basically the the abominable snowman is living in Russia. And I read this Siberia. Uh, um, Siberia, yes, specifically. And I and I read this. I'm like 95 percent. I'm like, well, I've got to know what the evidence is. So you you read through this, and basically what they have is they have some matted down grass. They have some hair samples that they haven't been able to identify and tracks. That's their 95% um, uh, worth of evidence. And it's even more interesting. It's more interesting because one of the – the, uh, uh, there's a woman that's on this, I don't know, expedition. I don't know exactly what, what you want to call conference. it. Was that? It was a conference. Oh, it was a conference and, and who is completely not shocked by any of this because – she has ten Bigfoot living in her living on her property. Well, don't we all? Well, I, I guess. I, and so hey, right now, I have a goblin, a witch. <laughs> I don't know what I else. Right, but here's the thing. And so, and so, I mean, so the first article was when I when I read it, I was like, oh my god. I, I mean, this is completely bogus, and it's most likely a publicity stunt anyway. Not even, I mean, because they don't really have any proof. They don't have a body. They don't have poop. They don't have DNA. None well, they those... do. Technically, they do have DNA if they've got hair, but they haven't been able to identify the DNA. And Brian, we've already uh, they, what they what they haven't said even what the DNA might be close to. No, they they didn't. They haven't. It hasn't been tested for DNA. They have some hair. I, at least well, carpet strands have DNA. I don't know, Eric. What do you think? Uh, <laughs> I go all the way. I go all the way to some area when we have ten of them living in Range, Michigan. Yeah, exactly. because so, those are Bigfoot. We're talking Yeti here. Well, well still, they're probably the same principle. If you recall in a previous podcast, we talked about how somehow when they poop, that falls into their regular dimension. Because remember, they're interdimensional beings that cross the world. Somehow. Okay, these articles did not go into that, but they did go into. So this woman is making this claim, and she lives in Michigan, Minnesota. Am I Michigan. Wrong? Where? Michigan. Okay, Michigan. And they they live in her backyard, and they and they eat blueberry bagels. Bigfoot likes blueberry bagels. Well, who the hell doesn't? Well, exactly, right? But she is unable to get a picture because these animals are so clever. They can they turn the camera upside down and stuff like that. Um, and so so you can't get pictures of them because Has she managed to get any upside down pictures of them. Uh, uh no, she she did they're too clever for her to get pictures of. And that's why we don't have pictures of them. But didn't so, we conclude that Bigfoot was naturally blurry anyway? <laughs> yes, we 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 made that conclusion. Yes. <laughs> um, so here's the thing, though, is, you know, we can put up these camera traps 
right, that take pictures of, of animals and stuff like that. So uh, another article that I read came to the conclusion that either um, – there is no Bigfoot, or Bigfoot lives in places where we don't have these camera traps. Or he's smart enough to avoid the cameras. Well, but, but well now, okay. hold on a second. Let me let me address this whole smart enough to avoid the oh. cameras. <laughs> um, they make nanny cams, right? Yes. Stuck stuck in a teddy bear. Are you trying to tell me that Bigfoot is smarter than your average na- nanny? Uh, apparently, yes. Nanny Bigfoot is smarter that's, that's, than a teenage babysitter I can buy, but. That's the point that this guy makes is that there are plenty of poachers who are smart enough to try to avoid cameras that get caught by these cameras all the time. And so if the poachers know what to look for and can't avoid the cameras, I can say as much. So point a camera at the camera that you're pointing the camera at. (laughs) Uh, That's a good idea. Show the camera getting switched off, then one way or the other, you're going to get something. You have to do a whole circle of them because if you just do one at the other, they'll go for the first, you know, the one taking picture. You do a whole circle. So you have cameras taking pictures of each other. So you can't touch one camera without the other camera taking the picture of you. So my thing was, okay, who are these scientists, number one? They don't say who the scientists are. And number two, if they are scientists, how irresponsible to make such a claim when the evidence hasn't even been substantiated. You're not supposed to ask questions. You're just supposed to hear the word scientist and be like, ooh. Well, I didn't. No, you're supposed to hear the word scientist. It's, they don't know anything. That's right. It's heck of this, conservative. That's right. This is America, damn it. Science is bad. Well, they do give the name of one of the scientists here. He's a Canadian wildlife biologist. So, again, we're going with the Canadian science here. First the evolution book. Now Bigfoot. You're starting to sound like a South Park ep- episode. Yeah, it's getting close, isn't it? Canadian. <laughs> Actually, you know, I, I think Mac might be a Canadian because he's kind of got a flip-top head. Point. Self-hatred, maybe? Self- could be. <laughs> exactly, right? He could be. He, he could definitely be. So, so I thought it was pretty irresponsible. And, I mean, and for 95% sure, based on what they've given us in the article, I mean, based on what they've given us in the article, I'm 95% sure that they don't know what they're talking about. 95? Only 95? I'm only 95%. The hairs they've got could come from a fur jacket easily. And if they haven't done any DNA and they can't identify the DNA, then... Uh, uh, Brian, you sound about 99.99% sure to me. Uh, well, I, I don't I know. DNA you know, tests are a bit out of their budget. Well, they might be. But if if there is a Bigfoot living there, I hope they find it. Yeah. I don't think they will. I, I mean, I, that I would suspect. Um, and the footprint casting that they give... Um, isn't a very good casting. And one of the things that other um, people have looked for was kind of the dermal ridging and stuff like that. And the, um, you know, kind of like, uh, like, uh, fingerprints, uh, looking for that kind of stuff. And, and with this casting that they have, you wouldn't even be able to do that. It, it kind of looks like, you know, a, a foot and five toes, but anything, I, it's hard to say what else might have made an imprint like that. Have you seen Russian women? Uh, <laughs> Uh, I have not. I'm so joking. I'm joking. <laughs> yeah. oh. I've seen quite a few attractive wrestling women, so. Right, but I see no reason to believe that this is a footprint. And if it is tracks, you know, I mean, I'd like to know more about the, the how far spread out the tracks were. You know, do they just have the one print? Um, yeah. Are there any pictures of the site where they found all this stuff? No, there's no, there's nothing like that. I mean, I, that's why I think this whole thing's a publicity stunt. I really do. But what I found funny about this is like, so I found this at the beginning of the week and then this issue comes out on Fox news and my whole damn office is talking about it. It's like, man, 
So what does so that we tell know you? what your office goes to for news then, huh? Well, there's, <laughs> there's one, yeah, well, I don't know that they all do, but the one person spread it around, which is fun, ah. you know? I mean, it was fun, mm-hmm. but it's like it, it took it it took it took to get it to Fox News before the rest of the office knew. And were they were they buying the story off of oh, Fox no. News? No, they weren't. <laughs> no. Oh, okay. No, no, it wasn't that. It, no, they didn't think it was credible. But I mean, it's, it's just to get people to travel to Siberia. Come to Siberia, Sierra Yeti. That's right. Well, you worked with a Michigan woman. Well, she, yeah, I know that she sounds interesting, doesn't she? She sounds I, like she I'm could trying use to figure out help. are are the Michigan Yeti are the Michigan Bigfoots more accessible, you know, temperamentally than the Siberian Yetis, or vice versa? Which know. one are which one is which one are we more likely to actually get to see? If there's really 10 Yeti living on her property, she can get a decent photo and some poop. I want to know what's really in her uh, bagels. (laughs) (laughs) Ask her husband and her kids. Uh, Maybe that's the Yeti she's seeing. Maybe she's really from like Kentucky or something. So I thought it was irresponsible science. So I guess we're not done with the mockery yet. No, we're not done with the mockery. Now, this is one, though. If you're going to self-medicate, I suggest you start now. (laughs) And I've got me a nice beer here. I will start medicating, and you tell me about this story. Okay, well, um, the logic being used by... Um, okay, the article is, Robert Bryce makes mockery of science is mocked in return. Join the fun! <laughs> by Joe Rom. Um, okay, basically, uh, recently the um, discovery of the possibility that there are particles that travel faster than light has come to the surface. And, uh, you know, obviously science is all excited about this idea. It's looking to say this will change the theory of relativity. Which it, you know, Well, yeah, it won't change the actual theory. It will expand on it, obviously. Sure. But it won't change it. Um, so what you have now, apparently, is conservatives coming out saying, well, what is the actual quote? If certain scientists question Einstein's theory of relativity, then there must be room for debate about the working complexities of the Earth's atmosphere. Basically saying that um, the global warming science has to be um, wrong and debatable because some other science completely unrelated to it um, has some new stuff added to it. Pretty sure that's so, a logical fallacy we've covered. Yeah, a huge one. Um, so yeah. Yeah, not, not only does it mistake the, what this discovery of a faster like particle will actually be, it then goes and takes that mistake and tries to make a completely unrelated connection. Right. Go ahead. I think that one of the points that they miss is that the speed of light is talking about photons. Photons are not going to go faster than the speed of light, um, which which governs most particles. But wimps and neutrinos are are a little different, and and so so a neutrino going faster than light does not completely destroy the theory of relativity. No, I think that wimps can go faster than the speed of light, but I like I think they lack the self assurance. Crickets. Wow, I saw that one. Yeah, I, I, I forgot to uh, then I did not. I mean, how could he not make a joke with the term wimp there? <laughs> I know. It's, I don't know. I, I just find this with as scientifically illiterate as our population is, this stuff. Well, it's becoming more prevalent right now. And that's one of the scary things to me. They're really pushing there. I, I think they're scared, to tell you the truth. And well, it's, it's, to it, this is what they're starting to do, really get loud and say some really, really idiotic things. Well, they're trying to, just, they're trying to right. own science. It's not well, necessarily just scientific illiteracy. It's a, a, a problem with having 
having critical thinking skills. Um, like you pointed out, it's a logical fallacy. If people were more educated about critical thinking, logic, and rationality in school, they would be like, hey, wait a minute. This well, doesn't equal this. Right. The people that are preaching this don't want critical thinking, Todd. They want to avoid that at all costs. Politicians make their careers off of logical fallacy. You know, I, I know this isn't a political podcast, so I don't want to get too much into that. Right. But I mean, I mean, the left has their things too, right? Cool. I mean, and 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 so this, so one of the problems I do have with these articles, it um, is of course the site that is doing this is a liberal site, and so they are going out of their way to attack conservatives. But you can just as easily do that from the other side, side about um, the irrational, you know, um, scientific illiteracy of the left when it comes to you know the evidence of organic foods, and so they each have their own little. Um, you know, um, air what walled off areas on each side that they, that they don't really want to talk about. Um, and so they attack the other side, and and so it really isn't fair. But what scares me is just how polarized everything is becoming. Yeah. I mean, government is supposed to be a conversation between people with different ideas to come up with a, to come up with a solution. But nobody can do that when things are this polarized. It's very unfortunate that all this is happening. Is it scientific illiteracy or is it just scientific tunnel vision? I don't. I, I don't know. That's a that's an excellent question and in in a good distinction. Um, I think some of it is tunnel vision. And the well, next article that you have about that that goes into the conservapedia talking about flat Earth. I mean, it's just it's wrong on so many levels. Yeah. And well, the, you know, let me point out the other thing. The other thing I don't like about this article is that it's encouraging somebody to mock somebody else. Yeah. Is no way to get things done. I mean, I agree. That's I, always been my normal number one <laughs> argument about any kind of movement. Mocking isn't going to get you anywhere. No. Mark In fact, if anything, way. mocking actually garners sympathy for the one mocked. Right. Not that it causes the person to be more steadfast in their belief too. That I mean, there's psychological research that points that out. You um you try to bombard somebody with the reasons that they're quote unquote stupid. They're just gonna be like, oh yeah, well then I'm not gonna listen to what you have to say and go on believing what I believe. Right. So I mean, so right from the start, I mean, and this this page is preaching to the choir, right? They're not trying to change minds. Um, but but it is increasing the polarization that I think is the problem. I agree. I think that's a problem with any type of uh, – well, not, I can't say any type, but a lot of information that's thrown out there. It's, in essence, preaching to the choir, and that's why everybody should listen to my podcast when I actually put it out there because right. I actually give well, reasoning. Well, and we're preaching to the choir too a lot, right? But I, I really want to try to not mock people. I mean I, I know that we have in the past and we probably will in the future, but it's not my goal. My goal is not to mock anybody. It's to, And I really want to be able to look at their ideas and see if there's any merit there and move forward. And But what if there is no merit there? I mean, if it's this, you know, like I hear what you're saying about the right versus the left, and I'm sure everyone recognizes I, I am fairly left. When you have, I, and I'm, I hate organic food, like that whole thing. I, I try to avoid yeah. it because I think it is all hype. Our basis, though, the basis of left politics is not denial of science. The basis of Republican and right wing conservative thinking is the denial of science. It's not just a kind of a freaky afterthought kind of. It's, it is the foundation of their control and manipulation of the entire system. You cannot be a scientist. All right, I can't say that. You can't. The, 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 the things that they're trying to do require a lack of rational thought. Whereas on the left side, I think it's just kind of a 
the factor of the fact of somebody being planetary. I mean, okay, here in this second article, they have another quote from um, off of Conservopedia. Some liberal politicians have exploited the theory of relativity to metaphorically justify their own political agenda. For example, Democratic presidential candidate Barack Obama helped publish an article by liberal law professor Lawrence Tribe to apply the relativity concept of curvature of space to promote a broad legal right to abortion. Really? What? How do you connect the curvature of space to abortion? How does that have anything to do with one another? But let's try and throw science in and make science look bad and connect it to something we know these people have an emotional connection to. You know, the way they twist, you know, it just, ugh. And, and they play on the scientific ignorance of people to get them to not understand. You know, they, they go out of their way to make sure they it's, don't present it right, they make it so they don't understand it better, and go and into... take pride in it. Take pride in the yeah, fact but, that they don't get but it. But we are painting with two broader brushes here. Because not, exactly. Because not all conservatives believe this. Now, I, I know that, they, that, that, that the ones that are speaking out against it do not have as loud a voice, but there are good conservatives out there that, are, that, are, that understand that climate change is real, that understand that evolution is real, and they just have a little bit different opinion on economics, right? Thought we were getting away from the good evil thing. Well, but that but that's unfortunately cool. when you start setting yourself up in a mode to mock somebody and make those generalizations, you are starting to view everything through your own bias. I mean, they're, they're the whole flat Earth thing. Yeah, there might not really be anything to it, but just because your gut reaction is that something isn't true, like the organic stuff, there's is some information out there to say that there could be something to the organics and. Of the fact that what goes into our normal food chain is not good for us and whatnot. But if you're like, oh, no, it's crap, and you automatically start mocking people that believe something you don't, you have totally shut yourself off to any opposing information that might be out there that could change opinion. Well, but I don't think that the science on organics is that great. Um, there is some stuff out there, but a lot of them show that it's that it's no different. And so, but uh, but we can have that debate. And I and, and and I'd really like to look at the evidence on both sides for that because if there is some truth to it, I want to know it. But so far, what I have what I have looked at has led me to believe that it, it that it's mostly a um, um, a marketing scam. Thing. Yeah, hey. not, not even a scam, but it's it's, it's marketing. Hey, Kimberly. Well, part of the problem with that is that it, when people will look at a topic such as, well, we're just bringing up organics, even if it's totally off topic to what That's we were okay. talking about. Um, when people look at a topic, sometimes they look at it at a simplistic level. Um, they're like, oh, well, we've done research with organic and non-organic food, and there's no difference. But there's a lot of other levels to that that uh, the jury is still out, so to speak, like the effect of pesticides on people, you know, things like that, um, that you also have to include in on that. And that's why I'm saying just with any topic, it's it's bad idea to just get in a little bit of information, make your uh, opinion, and then act like anybody else that has a different opinion, it's okay to mock them or make fun of them. You and, know? And, and that's I think that's my point, is that I, I, I mean, what I've seen, and I know that pesticides are, are one of the issues. Um, another issue is is soil, whether the soils are better. And, and, and so, yeah, I agree that there's a lot of levels of that. And I would say that I've looked at a lot of those things. And I would agree that the jury is still out on, on many of them. Um, but I guess I'm not the norm either, right? Because I am looking for 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 evidence that that you know for to base my conclusions upon. Well, most that, people are very uncomfortable with uncertainty, so they'll get a little bit of information and form their opinion, and that's it. That they think right, they and they don't continue to look. Where where on organics, I continue to read what I see. So, um, Kimberly, you mentioned something about how many people there are on this planet. 
Do you know how many exact people, do you know the exact number of people on this planet? <laughs> we are segueing tonight. I don't know. In fact, <laughs> we are billion? going to hit 7 billion people yeah. over the next several months. 7 billion. All right. Anyway, like, let's go back to the point here. I, I get, I get, my, my point is, is that, um, I, yeah, I'm, I'm not in favor of mocking people. And my Segway point is, is that, that is that both sides have science that is wrong that they don't want to look at. And that's really my point in bringing up the organics um, be, because I think that there's a lot of hype there. Not all of it, perhaps, but I think there's a lot of hype there. But then you look at the conservatives and what they're saying about um, global climate change, and I and I would say that generally, for the most part, you know, I, I what I've looked at indicates to me that there's some uh, that human climate change is happening. But I can see some of their points. They make some they make some good points of stuff that isn't quite as solid as we'd like to think it is. So it's not that they're complete without their points um, when they when they look at the climate change science either. So both sides need to be talking to each other, but we become so polarized that it's not possible. I mean, we could really get into the whole politics of thing. I think you yeah. do get to a point where mockery is the only option left to you because nobody's listening to each other anyway. I mean, again, close. when you see when you see these people actively, they don't want experts. They 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 think science is is BS and that it's twisting them. And um, there was one article in here, isn't there, about how um, when you start studying science, you stop reading the Bible. Therefore, you shouldn't read science. You cannot have a conversation with a person who buys that. So you might as well mock them. And I don't care if it makes me infantile or immature or I'm not getting anything across to them. They are useless. I am what, never what going to get anything across to them. And so I might as well mock them. It's what, at the end of the discussion, we're in the same place. All right, Misty, go. What purpose does mocking serve, though? I mean, besides just making you feel better about what you believe. Probably nothing, but neither does any any breath wasted on these people. I, I have to disagree, I, because I know a lot of people that I've changed their strange beliefs um, by just presenting the information to them, and it, it could be that it takes a million and one times, um, but mocking would have closed the conversation immediately. And, and the other thing I want to I'd like to say about that is um, I understand that there are some people that can't be reached, but our goal isn't to reach everybody. But if we can get somebody to listen and ask some questions um, that might have gotten turned off, if we mock, I think that we can still do some good by uh, by avoiding just completely mocking people. I suppose. I mean, I understand what you're saying. I just I just find the entire thing. And I'm not talking again, um, kind of to go back to one of our original things. This is a broad generalization. Individual people are smart. Groups of people are stupid. And there's, I think you just get to a point where people are believing things that, you know, I think it's great if you can take the time out and tell them for the hundred billionth time what's wrong with their argument and, and lead them gently to rationalism. But I'm sorry, I just come to a point where but I'm not sure I just I... don't have the time anymore. I'd rather work on somebody else who has, who has some kind of openness. And, and you're right. The smart thing would be for me to truly just walk away. But sometimes the frustration gets to you, and but, I think it's very human to want to mock them. Oh, I, I understand that. It's Yeah, I understand where you're coming from. But I think that even though the person you're talking to in that exchange of ideas, because they feel the same way about you, it's the people on the other side listening that, that you might be able to have an effect on, not the person you're directly talking to. So, I, so what I'm saying is that by having a conversation, having these conversations – 
with people, it, number one, it, it teaches you to strengthen your own arguments. And number two, it, it may get somebody who's who's on the wings to say, hmm, that's really interesting. I should look into that. And for me, that's a win, even if I can't, even if the person I'm talking to is never going to change their mind. I mean, every once in a while, I'm guilty of mocking, too, but it's not in such a public manner. I mean, I'm not going to write an entire article mocking somebody's perspective, and that's where I think it becomes wrong. Among, you know, a group of your peers when you're throwing around jokes, that's one thing, but trying to make a concerted effort, you know, a giant presentation or an article that's going to be all over the internet to, to just mock somebody i don't agree with that but i'm also not saying that it's not okay to make it a joke at, at, at some of these people's expense either because i think we're all a little too sensitive that we that we should all take a little humor and stuff well especially you you were a very sensitive child i, I was I, I i remember that from my reading and i also have terrible issues with men <laughs> so that does that mean brian i should not extend the apology i was about to make to a uh, robin then pfeiffer the lady from michigan um, I, you can extend apologies to whoever you feel morally um, needed to. But but is it good or bad to to mock her? Uh, who who are we talking about? I know the lady from Michigan. Oh, you know what though? Bigfoot. I, I I would I I think it's I think it's okay to have a little bit of fun at her expense because I think some of the things that she's saying certainly to me are silly and I think it's okay to point that out. Um, but I but I'm not gonna sit here and call her stupid especially when i don't personally know her i don't agree with her ideas and i think that they are silly and what's and and is there a real problem with making some jokes at her expense um she's come out and she said these things i find them funny but yet her as a person uh i don't know that i would want to mock her as a person i don't know i don't know where the line is i'm i'm throwing it out there Um, Well, and in this case, I mean, we are talking about this Robert Bryce guy who is going out of his way to say crazy ass stuff. That's true. Um, Well, I I still think mock. A a totally different topic, I think. (laughs) We did. We did. But the original thing, though, was talking about somebody like him who is, like I said, he's doing it for a an ideology to suppress rationalism. Again, I I, yeah. I think it's okay to mock somebody. No, I that. in that in this case, he's certainly doing. Um, he he's both sides are guilty of of uh, of mocking each other. It just means that no solution can come out of it. Right. Yeah, and I think again, it comes out of that. You know, who's doing harm to who? You know, in the case of the crazy lady in Michigan. Is she kind of filling the world with a little bit more woo? Yeah, but, you know, she doesn't have, like, a real platform. She's not really affecting things. So you can have more sympathy for an individual like that. Somebody like this prick who has an agenda (laughs) and is out to influence politics, make money for people, and to take money away from other people, you got to call douche where it's douche. I mean, it's... But I don't know. Isn't even more um, the fact that he is saying stuff that is so anti-science? Isn't it even all the more important um, to make sure that that we're being heard on a rational level because of the people that are listening? Because so so that we're not polarizing people that are going to say, "Well, you you mocked him," so uh, and 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 build up a defense because of that. Again, I I I really do hear you in the in the best of all worlds, and and um, I'm glad we've got you in the fight. <laughs> Thank you. Because I'm I am no in no way the worthy person to do it. All right. <laughs> you know, that's a good point, Brian. Though I mean, there are people who you know, if we mock the lady feeding bagels to Bigfoot, that's not really gonna cause any problem because it's not like she's trying to spread her 
gospel about Bigfoot around the world or anything like that. But uh, somebody like this guy, who there are people out there that may take him very seriously, then shutting off a lot of people to listening to what you have to say by mocking somebody is kind of dangerous, I think. Yeah, I think even in this case, it's even more important to, to, to keep a level head and make sure that you're being heard. My opinion. And not only that, look what we've learned about dangerous behaviors. It starts out as something as innocent as feeding bagels to a Bigfoot. Next day, she could be killing people. Exactly. (laughs) Well, and, you know, here's a question. Is feeding bagels to a Bigfoot going to reduce the size of their amygdala and their prefrontal cortex and possibly cause them spark to uh, criminal behavior? I'm certainly concerned about the amount of sugars that we're putting into Bigfoot's body. Sociopathic big feet. <laughs> Bigfoot now, high. All right. Bigfoots. Um, and now I'll turn to Mocky Mac for his segue fail. <laughs> <laughs> what, what's the next article? Uh, Uranus takes a pounding more frequently than thought. Oh, good. Kimberly, tell, <laughs> Kimberly, <laughs> tell us about what happened to I just, <laughs> I just I like thought this was an extraordinarily funny article. Um, Cosmo TV, I don't know how serious their stuff is, but yes, the title of this well, article is Uranus good. Takes a Pounding More Frequently Than Thought. And the first and the sentence, article's good. The title's what was... The first sentence is, Uranus isn't just Cassie. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, it just kept going. <laughs> but, well, you know, um, especially Ted Haggard. <laughs> So I, I put this on our list as as uh, science news that sounds dirty but isn't, because the uh, the the part the point of the article is that um, Uranus is is the only planet in in our solar system that rotates on a very different axis, almost perpendicular to the way um, the way most of the planets rotate in the solar system. Right, they just, and it's a rolling ball. Right. And um, and basically, the, the, they originally thought that it must have gotten hit by something in its formation that tilted the axis. But then they kind of thought about it, looked into it more, and now they have some new evidence that suggests it wasn't hit by one big thing because there, there would be more evidence the, of the, the impact, of but the maybe it was hit by more than one thing. If it was hit by one big thing, it wouldn't have been able to form moons, moons the way all the other planets did. I, I, I don't know the whole science on that, but that's what the article is saying. Um, the moons wouldn't have formed cr- right. the way you know, they did. So right. um, the only other thing they could come up with right now would be that it's been hit twice by smaller objects. Uh, so, yeah. Is it, you know, as we find out more and more about our solar system, I mean, because, you know, we used, we, 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 we used to think that we understood how our solar system formed. And now, after looking at other solar systems and seeing other, you know, other planetary systems, we know that we don't exactly know how solar systems are formed, <laughs> which is really cool. And so here's one more thing that we're finding out that, you know, we just we did not know um, what we were looking at, which makes me think that we need to really examine climate change on this planet. Are you trying to start a fight again? <laughs> I might be, huh? <laughs> Uh, uh, I have not taken your bait this time, sir. One of the more interesting things in that article is it talked about how apparently scientists believe that the outer system was not as violent as the inner system was. But looking at this way, they're thinking, okay, maybe it was just as chaotic for a Uh, time. It sounds like it might be even more chaotic. Yeah. Although I I think the reason why it wasn't as obvious is probably because the farther you get from the sun, the more space you have. So um, while it could be more, you know, there could be a lot of stuff going on there. Um, there is a chance, of, better chance, they'll miss something. Once it gets closer to the sun and you have less room in the orbit, it's going to be more likely to hit something. That's my take. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, so 
all all of our our whole planetary system is way more interesting than we ever imagined. And and that's the thing. You know, this is just our planetary system. We keep finding out new interesting things every time we turn around. It just the you know, our solar system itself. The further we go out, it's like, wow, there is so much still to learn. Well, and we know very little really about the Kuiper belt and what's beyond it. Yep. Yeah. So, and just, you know, keeping in mind that articles can be uh, funny about si- real science. Yes. To get you in there. So. Well, I oh, take a... issue to the fact that it was mocking Uranus. <laughs> uh, all right. I think that is a good place for us to end for the evening. Weren't we going to move on to the uh, the owl? Oh, you want to do the owl? Go ahead. I'd like uh, to do the owl. Let's I... Go ahead and talk about the owl, and, the, and then that, that'll be it. Okay. Basically, um, my wife sent me this video off of YouTube. And it's a, first of all, who all has watched the video here? I, I just yeah. saw it. It was great. It was funny. Don't you just want to watch it and watch it and watch it? Because <laughs> I Good sure for did. Me. Um, essentially, though, this actual video came from a scientific study, I believe, in Canada in 1962. I went looking to see if I could find the original study and read it. But unfortunately, I could not find anywhere that I could actually download the study without actually purchasing it, which... I wasn't going to do. Not this time. Um, but the whole thing was about essentially the guy's moving the owl's body and the owl's head stays stable in whatever direction the, the body gets turned. And I'm watching the video and I'm going, that owl is going to kill him the second it gets free. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it was actually pretty astonishing whether the owl was blindfolded or... Um, obscured in whatever way, the head remained perfectly stable, and they think that that's based upon the vestibular section, the vestibular section system, which is uh, the the inner ears essentially. And no, it's not. It's because the owl is psychic, and he automatically knows which way is up. God. <laughs> Owls are just cool. Now, now I, I want to admit that I tried to replicate this experiment with materials that I had on hand. A lizard? No. A bird. bird. Yeah. Bird. It involved a lot more biting than happened in the uh, video. You didn't sell <laughs> I couldn't duplicate the results. Yeah. How about you so, use a small child? Will it work with them? It does not work with a small child. I can attest to that. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, uh, it's f- kind of funny. I found another video where a guy had seen the Rotate Your Owl video, and he had a pet owl, and he tried it with the pet owl, and... Uh, the results were cute, but not anywhere near as described in the uh, experiment. <laughs> and I was just kind of kicking, going, oh, this is interesting. Huh, what's he doing? Well, this is a new game. It's kind of fun. <laughs> they had a special sleeve for the owl. Yes. And, and I thought that's interesting because um, they do the same, they have the same kind of sleeves for doves, you know, for people who will pull the doves out of, you know, pockets and stuff right. like that. They, they put them into a special sleeve, and um, that's what they use to do that. So if you wrap the child in a straight jacket, will they do the same thing? Um, well, once again, they just they make a lot of noise, but no. However, if you're going to wrap the child in the, in the straight jacket, I do recommend you do a brain scan beforehand and make sure that there's actually a good reason to put the child in a straight jacket. Oh, I don't need a brain scan. Yeah, there, there, there's always a good reason. <laughs> uh, no, I just thought that the Rotate Your Owl video was hilarious, though. And I find it even more interesting, though, the fact that this was a real scientific study, and this guy just found this obscure old video and made a song off it. It's uh, uh, go ahead. I was just saying, uh, Mr. Weeble. Yeah, Weeble stuff is always funny. <laughs> All right. Is there anything else? 
Uh, I think we're all looking forward to the uh, review on Wednesday. Yes, that Wednesday should be a lot of fun. Should be very interesting. Yes. So hopefully we'll get a good interview. Our first real interview with someone you know significant. So hopefully we'll make complete asses of ourselves. We've had significant. I, I'm sure that the previous guests are enjoy hearing you say. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm, I'm sorry. None of you have been NASA level scientists before. Well, okay, but some people have had degrees. Misty has a degree. Eric has a degree. I have an associate in arts. Yeah, yeah, and Kim's got one. Have we really interviewed anyone before, though? What's that? Have we really interviewed anyone ever before? We kind of interviewed Uh, Eric Mir. Yeah, see? I don't know if he's doing it. Good guy, you know. I think it's supposed to be kind of so this should be interesting to see how well we do. It should be fun. All right. Is there anything else? I think we're good. All right. Say goodnight, everybody. It's another one in the can. There you go. Good night. Good night. You're missing that. (laughs) Thank you for listening to the Amateur Skeptics Podcast. For more information about the Amateur Skeptics, go to AmateurSkeptics.com. To send us feedback, suggestions, or big flaming insults, feel free to contact us at WTF at AmateurSkeptics.com. Other contact information can be found on our website. You can leave a voicemail for the Amateur Skeptics Podcast at 720-295-7785. Music for this podcast was provided by OFM. To find out more about OFM, go to myspace.com forward slash OFMHQ. This podcast is released under Creative Commons No Derivative 3.5 license. Thank you for listening to the Amateur Skeptics Podcast. Amateur Skeptics website, Facebook, and podcast album art is provided by and copyright Shadow Knight Digital Portraiture. Larger prints or custom pieces are available upon request. 